Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's Noor and... I'm writing solo today. We are talking about Summer House and Vanderpump Rules, and I'm sure you can guess it. I'm going to be talking mostly about Vanderpump Rules, but, um, you know, I did watch last week's episodes, the ones that I watched while I was away, if you wanted to know my thoughts about them. Um, I talked about it a little bit with Arthi on uh, the episode that we dropped on Tuesday night. It's called So Much Has Happened. Um but I'm going to talk about Summer House first, uh, and then I'm going to share a couple of voice notes, which I think will help me sort of guide this very complicated episode of Vanderpump Rules this week. Um, so let's talk about Summer House first. So Summer House, obviously, we've had this big fight with Danielle and Kyle and Lindsay and Amanda all over this silly little stir the pot game. Apparently, I mean, Marisol shouldn't be making cocktails. She should be launching these dumb little games from city to city from show to show across bravo whatever but they play this stupid game amanda starts to have a meltdown and as i mentioned on the episode i did with arthi uh just earlier this week i don't think that amanda is having a meltdown over what danielle is saying about her being untrustworthy i think that she is having a meltdown because kyle and her were just talking about how she hasn't had her period I think it's one, that, and two, because Danielle is likely, I mean, we know she is. We know Danielle is speaking because of how she, Danielle is saying what she's saying because of how Amanda has treated Lindsay, right? And I get it. Danielle fights Lindsay's battles or whatever. I also think Amanda's having an intense reaction because she knows she was shitty she admits that she was shitty. She said she was feeling frustrated and all she can say is sorry. And the reason why she's still angry and Kyle is still angry and why do you think Lindsay is manipulative and crazy and all that is because Lindsay didn't acknowledge Amanda saying sorry. But if you're the person that fucks up, if you're the person that talks shit about somebody and then you apologize, the person that you were talking shit about does not owe it to you to, apo- to accept your apology. She doesn't owe it to you to deal with it at all. And Lindsay's right when she says, you know what? You could have talked to me, but you didn't. You could have uh, you could have asked me how I was feeling, but you didn't. What I do think is shitty of Lindsay is that she's giving this information to Sam and she's not actually directly talking to Amanda about it. But at the same time, it's not Lindsay's responsibility to explain to Amanda how she should make it better when Amanda's the one who screwed up in the first place, right? Um, 
this whole thing is complicated in so many ways, right? You have like Lindsay and Carl, their dynamic. It's very shocking that Lindsay is not upset about Carl not sticking up for her. But I also truly believe that Lindsay Hubbard has wanted to be with Carl this entire time. All these like frogs that she was kissing. I think she's always, always wanted to be with Carl. I think Carl's always been her number one guy. And I think now that she has him and she knows, and I mean, come on, Lindsay knows that Carl is beloved, right? (laughs) He's really hot. He's beloved. You know, he's like everybody's favorite guy on Bravo right now. I don't think Lindsay's ready to let him go. I think that this is one relationship that she's like, oh shit, like I have to, I have to uh, make compromises to be with this person. And I think one of those things includes not needing Carl to stick up for her. And I think that Danielle, the way that she's sticking up for Lindsay is the way that Lindsay has expected men to stick up for her in the past. They haven't. And so Danielle does it. Because that's what Lindsay's probably complained about, which is why it puts Danielle in such a sticky situation to say, I'm the one that's defending you. I'm riding for you all the time. I'm fighting your battles. And you're not even mad about your boyfriend not doing it. And I genuinely saw the shift here, right? I've learned my lesson in my years, my 37 years on earth, that the person who rides hardest, the messenger, the person who fights your battles is always the one that's going to get burned, right? Like in this situation, if Danielle went up to Lindsay and was like, Lindsay, that's fucked up that Carl did that. And Lindsay was upset too, right? She was like, yeah, it is fucked up that Carl did that. But down the line, Lindsay and Carl stay together. Then Danielle is the asshole. And essentially that's what's happening in the friend group. Danielle is fighting all these fights against these girls for Lindsay. And eventually what's going to happen is Lindsay's fine. Yeah, they don't really like her, whatever. But Lindsay's okay. And what does it look like? Time and time again, season after season, all the girls are like, Danielle, you got to stop fighting her battles. Oh, Danielle's getting involved. Danielle is meddling. It always comes down to Danielle is now the problem and not actually Lindsay. I mean, in this episode, it was Lindsay who was the problem. And they were all screaming that it was Lindsay that was the problem when it was actually Kyle who was the problem. Um, But still, you guys, I think, understand my point. So you have this like Danielle and Lindsay dynamic. You start to see it shift. There's a Danielle and Amanda dynamic. And I want to bring up something. I think that it was last season when all this stuff was going on around, like, around the reunion and we talked about the wine glass and we talked about, um, you know, the Maya conversation about Maya not feeling like a person that she she didn't feel comfortable in a house full of white people and then Danielle kind of talking about that experience as well and all that stuff I think one of the things I think it was Cara Berry or I think it was Taria um from what else is going on one of them or maybe it was Giselle it was one of the brilliant women that I follow and listen to and love in the podcasting space brilliant black women I think one of them brought up the fact that Danielle very much is uh, reacting to what the fans say. I think that Danielle saw a lot of the chatter last season and decided, you know what, I'm going to get in the mix with these other girls because I don't want to seem like I'm constantly riding up Lindsay's ass. And I think that Danielle is also scared that if she doesn't ride up Lindsay's ass, then Lindsay's going to get mad at her. And she doesn't want Lindsay to get mad at her because that's her best friend, right? 
So I think Danielle is in a very sticky situation where I don't think she quite knows how to navigate it. So her going to Amanda and being like, I'm really sorry, whatever. One of the things she says to, to Amanda, or I think she says it to Paige the following weekend when she's like recapping the situation, is she says something like, you know, me and Amanda had a thing and then Lindsay started to piggyback off of that, right? Rather than saying that I was fighting Lindsay's battles because she probably doesn't view it that way. But she says, Lindsay piggybacked off of my situation, then Kyle blew up. But really, Kyle blew up first. Amanda started crying. Lindsay sort of started talking. Danielle was like, you know, Amanda's not an easy person to talk to. And then Lindsay said, this is what happens. She starts to cry. And this is why, like, we can't really be friends. And she, she does start to piggyback off of that. And that's when Kyle starts to, like, lose his mind. But I think that Danielle is... um in in her relationship with these other girls, I think that she is trying to sh- prove to them that she's not always up Lindsay's ass. I think it's a very complicated position for Danielle to be in because if she doesn't crawl up Lindsay's ass because that's what Lindsay's used to, Lindsay might get mad. But when she crawls up Lindsay's ass, then then the other girls think like, oh, that's all Danielle is. So then when she tries to shift that and say, let me try to get chummy with these other girls and get involved in the house away from Lindsay, right? Lindsay's going to get mad at her. Or the other women could say, well, like, we don't really trust you because you used to be Lindsay's best friend and now you're like talking shit about her. It is a very sticky position to be in. It really is. When you when you are so... um unwaveringly on one side when that shift happens at all people can view it kind of suspiciously and I think it's stupid because people can evolve like I think one of the issues that I have with the way that a lot of these younger women are talking about Carl and Lindsay's relationship like there's some truth to it right which is Danielle's concern you're moving really fast there is a you know sobriety component to it all that stuff I think Danielle's coming from a place of concern and but some of these girls are like, oh, you know, she's she's changing her. She's not actually a good person. She's only becoming a good person for her partner. And that's where I think that there's going to be resentment. I think the thing is that like in your 20s and maybe even your early 30s, you don't realize that you can evolve and you can you can evolve and you can change. And sometimes that change comes from being around certain kinds of people, right? And I think that they have a really hard time accepting that because they think that in your 20s and in your early 30s, you're so sure of who you are. You're like, this is who I am. I cannot change. Like we see it with Gabby. She like, she's so sure of who she is that what that one letdown she had in her job and her decisions or whatever, it's shaken up her own, her whole world. And now she can't even trust herself, right? I think that that part of your brain, like that part of your brain that says, it's okay. Tomorrow I want to be a little bit different and it's okay for that. That confidence of wanting to change yourself a little bit every single day to be a different or better person or like something new or not be pigeonholed into the one person you've been in your 20s, that change comes in like your mid-30s to late 30s. And I think that these girls don't realize that about Lindsay and I think that there's always been that disconnect. So they just view life very differently. So I think that like, 
how they view Lindsay's relationship or what she's doing for Carl and all those things, it's they're just never going to understand it because I don't think they realize like how much she really wants to be with him. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because Carl's a good influence on Lindsay and that's okay. They're disgustingly like lovey-dovey. It's so gross. I don't want to see it. I never want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't even want to do it with my husband. If If somebody recorded me with my husband in our most cheesy, corny, loving moments, I would throw up because I would be disgusted by myself, okay? Nobody needs to see that or hear that. I get it. But Lindsay and Carl in love, and that's okay. Carl not wanting to fight with Kyle makes a lot of sense because I think he recognizes that as a sober person, there's no, there's no arguing with a drunk person. I mean, I wish Lala would understand that in Vanderpump Rules, but we'll get to that. I think it's okay, but at the same time, and I understand his reasoning. That's his boss and his friend, and this is really sticky. Ultimately, the fight really here is between Amanda and Lindsay, and Amanda has a lot of insecurity, and Kyle has a lot of insecurity, and Kyle and Amanda have both done a lot of really, really shitty things, and I think they have so much guilt for how good Lindsay and Carl are looking that they are unraveling, and they are looking like absolute unhinged looney tunes okay uh i think those were really my only thoughts about summer house if something else comes up i mean whatever i like i i got annoyed with like them getting upset that carl left i mean what do you want him to do you screamed about his girlfriend what did you want to do wanted to want him to do it was on you to go up to him that night and start to sober up and talk to him but even up to that night you said you had no regrets So what did you want him to do, Kyle? Just wait around? No, he left, and that makes sense. Um, Okay, let me take a quick break. I will be back to talk about Manor Pump Rules. Before I go, I'm going to, before we take a break, I'm going to play some voice notes I got, and I think that it sort of sets the stage for my feelings about what we saw this week on Manor Pump Rules. So listen to these voice notes. We'll take a break, and I'll be right back. Katie, Lala, and Christina, why is she there? They're still mean girls, even if in retrospect we can know that Raquel did something wrong. That doesn't take away from the fact that in that moment they were intending to be malicious. It's hard, even in this episode, even knowing what we know, not to feel bad for Raquel. That's how mean they are. That's the takeaway from this episode. All I kept thinking about in this episode was Ariana just lost her dog. She's devastated. And her boyfriend is out with his friends, just ditched her. And like now all of her good girlfriends are out with her man and all of his friends. I'm so confused. Why why isn't anyone going to Ariana's house and checking on her and like consoling her? People have been doing her dirty for a long time. I just, I was sick. She was clearly upset this episode. These people are just awful. All of them, all of them but especially Raquel, Rachel, and stupid standable. I, I can't stand these people. Okay, and we're back. Let's talk about Vanderpump Rules. Let's get into it. All right, this episode was oh, complicated, guys. It was very complicated. It was very hard to watch, and there are so many reasons for it. Like, I don't know which part of my brain to be using to watch the show right now, and it is so hard. Okay, 
the show can, these episodes now from here on out can be viewed in two ways, right? You can independently judge the interactions that you're seeing on TV, not knowing what we know, or you can read into every single thing that is being said, that is being done, especially as it relates to Raquel. A lot of people on the internet are calling her Raquel or Rachel. Listen, when someone tells me how they want to be addressed, what the names they want to be called, I don't really care. Was I shocked and laughing when her name was Rachel and not Raquel? Yes, but she actually apparently says it on the show. And she says, my name is Rachel, but I go by Raquel because I don't want to be a basic bitch. Okay, she admits it. All right, fine. I'm going to let her have it. It's not Eladia Baldwin who is stealing an entire culture, okay? It's not that other girl, Rachel, who pretended to be Raquel Evita Saraswati, okay, who pretended to be a Latina Arab Indian as a white lady. That's not the same thing. Raquel's still a basic girl. She just wanted to add some pizzazz, okay? It's as ridiculous as Lauren going by Lala or Jason going by Jax, okay? Anyway, you can watch the show just as on its own, watching with these interactions, seeing how it's ha- playing out on the show, or you can watch it reading into every single thing that's happening around Raquel, what she's saying, what others are saying to her. And I think that as an individual viewer, you will come up with your own opinions based on how you watch it. But as somebody who lives in the world of nuance, of understanding different aspects of things, of not just seeing things as binary black and white, my mind was all over the place. My thoughts were all over the place and they will, they throughout the recap right now, they're going to change They're going to change. I'm going to speak from both sides of my mouth because this is a complicated, kind of complex situation. If you think about it, it's not complicated, right? Somebody did an awful thing to Ariana. That somebody is Tom Sandoval and the person involved was Raquel, her very, very good friend. That is black and white, no questions asked. That is an awful thing. There's no nuance or there's nothing there. But but as you you know, one of the things that keeps coming out is why would they do this? How could Lala, how could Lala, how could Raquel do this? How could Tom, Tom, people aren't necessarily shocked about because he's a douchebag, but like Raquel, why Raquel? Why would Raquel do this? What, you know, how did she go from a Bambi-eyed bitch to this, you know, uh, this like woman carrying on this seven month or more affair, right? I think that when we ask those questions, we have to look at the answers and sometimes the answers aren't as clear cut as she's just some hoe that wants everybody's man. I don't think it's that simple. I think that people are a lot more complicated than that. Women especially are a lot more complicated than that. So let's get into it. We're back in Vegas. Um, Raquel is drunk. This is post disco pussy all over makeout time. Um, she's drunk. The girls go back to the room and Lala is being extremely judgmental about this young drunk woman. Like, you know, Lala says she doesn't trust Raquel's sloppiness after one too many drinks. I mean, Raquel is doing what a lot of girls do. They get drunk. A lot of us do. Girls and guys. You get drunk, you party too hard, you come back, and you eat a delicious meal. Hello, Summer House. Kyle Cook does this every single weekend. Okay? But she goes and she microwaves some food. She talks to herself and then she sits down on the bed and she wants to eat. And they think that she's just so gross for eating bread. 
She heated up the bread and she's eating all of it. Oh my God. How horrific of her. Like, calm the fuck down, Lala. Okay? These women are acting like they aren't friends with Kristen Dowdy, who like three seasons ago was stumbling all over herself well into her 30s. Raquel's like 26 or 27. I'm saying that's an adult, by the way. But still, you guys have given a lot more passes to all these people. Fucking Stassi had a meltdown in like some sort of a ghost costume at her 30th birthday with ranch fountains. Because she had too much Xanax and booze. She screamed at her boyfriend, who is now her husband. She screamed at Bo, puked a bunch, and then rallied and was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go and party some more. So stop sitting around here, you old ladies, and acting super judgy about this girl who had a good time, made out with a cute guy, came back to her hotel, and wants to eat some carbs. There's really no reason for them to be that judgy over her. They're like... Raquel, are you okay? Oh my God, you're going to eat all of that? Like, what? I don't understand. What's the big deal? In fact, it's even more infuriating because they keep judging her about like, oh, she's sloppy and she's drunk. Lala's like, she's sloppy and she's drunk. When Lala became sober, she stopped wanting to have sex with that thumb of a man that she was going to marry, okay? So Lala, you had a whole relationship with that terrible, terrible man while you were heavily drinking. So I don't think that you're really in the right to sit around here and judge somebody else for how they're behaving when they're drinking. And what the way that Raquel is drinking so far is not egregious. She's not doing anything wrong. It's perfectly fine. Katie, Kristen, and Lala sit there and grill Raquel about making out with Oliver. And that's when Lala says, I would never trust you around my man after one too many drinks. And Raquel says, well, thank God you don't have a man. Now, let's view this in two different ways. Knowing what we know now, that is a haunting thing to say. Oh my God, was she drunk and telling us something about herself, right? But if you view it from the perspective of what has just happened on the show, there's nothing wrong with what she said. There's nothing that bad about what she said. It's okay. And honestly, Lala is mostly mad that Raquel reminded her that she doesn't have a man anymore. And she's still upset about the fact that she still has to, she has to have legal proceedings. And now she, you know, as Charlie says later, went from a mansion to an apartment. That's really what Lala is mad about. Like, I understand Katie being annoyed or upset with this kind of language because obviously Raquel just wanted to make out with Katie's ex-husband regardless of being told that she would not be okay with that. But Lala being this butthurt is ridiculous. Like, later on when Lala, when um, Raquel goes to bed and Christina goes to get the bag and they're like, oh, she has galaxy nightlights. They're being absolutely awful to her. Is she going to murder us? What are you talking about? Lala drank out of a baby bottle. (laughs) You're going to make fun of her nightlights? Get the fuck out of here. Raquel overhears all this and she gets super emotional. She's drunk. She gets emotional. She cries. She goes to bed. The next morning, Raquel says that she knows that she says something offensive and she's feeling super embarrassed and all this stuff. They kind of tell her what she said, uh, remind Raquel all of the shitty things she said, which were really not that shitty if I'm going to be honest with you. But Lala asked Raquel when she said what she said that night, do you really feel that way that like, oh, if you can't keep a guy, then here I am. But like, 
honestly, nothing about what Raquel said that night feels like that. Like that's Lala digging in or thinking about this a lot deeper than she needs to. I mean, obviously she's triggered by it because she was the other woman and then another woman who wanted to be the other woman decided to swoop in and take her disgusting thumb of a fiance. So she's feeling super duper triggered by all this, but Raquel saying, well, thank God you don't have a man then, right? Like if someone, let's go back to that statement, by the way, when someone says, I I wouldn't trust you around my man, what the hell else are you supposed to say? What are you supposed to say? Uh, no, you should. I would never do that. I don't understand. Cause if, if Raquel had said, no, um, that's crazy, Lala. Like I, you know, don't be ridiculous. They would have grilled her about it anyway. Cause essentially that's what happens later on at that dinner. Right. But like, Lala is taking that into turning that into Raquel being the type of person that says, oh, if you can't keep a guy, if you can't keep your man, then here I am. I don't think that that's what Raquel meant at all. (laughs) Now, at the same time, I think to myself, now that I know all that I do know, it's so hard to not think about the fact that, well, maybe Lala did see something about Raquel that we all didn't see. You know, maybe she saw the real Raquel. Maybe, you know, uh, it was Lala's moment to point out the fact that that's just a vibe that she's gotten from Raquel before. I don't trust Lala. That's the problem. And Lala's like not fun and she's like demanding and weird and like appropriates black women. And it's just, a, she's so unlikable that it's a, it's hard to be on her side at all. But it's, it's, it's complicated, right? Because I don't think that when Raquel said what she said the night before, she was implying that she is going to steal everybody's guy. But knowing now that she did steal one of their friend's guys that maybe Lala did, you know, touch on something that may have actually been reality. I don't know. At the same time, Lala getting on her high horse and saying, I don't think you're like that, but if you are like that, I don't want anything to do with you because I respect relationships is a crock of shit. Because she also adds, even when I got drunk and had sex with your ex-fiance, it didn't feel great. Uh, Lala, you don't respect relationships. Lala, again, is projecting because Raquel is a beautiful young girl. She's getting drunk and she's having fun. And Lala thinks that Raquel is going to do exactly what she did, which is be a disrespectful, awful person who steals somebody's man. Now, again, I have to say, independently watching the show, I think to myself, Lala, you're projecting. What are you talking about? But now is a projection if Raquel actually is a disrespectful, awful person who did steal somebody's man. It's, this is, the whole fucking episode was like this, okay? Anyway, they get ready to drive down to Lake Havasu. Back in LA, Sheena's getting Schwartz a makeover. She says she wants to help him get big dick energy. She's like, I want to help him get his big dick energy. Or she's like, he needs to get his big dick energy and I'm going to help him. Which is a very strange statement to say about your friend. Um, Sheena proposes a boys night and this is when Short says that he doesn't want to buy a prostitute, which obviously says that this is the standard with which that these men are used to like, oh, when you have a boys night, you purchase sex. Okay. All right. And not your first time, apparently. Uh, back in the car, 
on the drive to Lake Havasu, Raquel starts to open up about her relationship with James and how awful he was to her family. And she talks about how she was going to have this middle of the night escape plan of breaking up with James. And guys, this is complicated again. You know, it, like I said, we keep wanting to know the answers for why Raquel would do this to Ariana, right? And again, those answers don't come without understanding who this person is. She's not like, I don't think she's a sociopath. I don't think that she's just this like evil person who's just like out there doing terrible things. Raquel was probably in a relation, an abusive relationship with James. I mean, based on the stuff that we heard him say about Raquel's parents, right? She was clearly in an abusive relationship for her to have this escape plan in the middle of the night says that there were probably some super duper dark things going on here. Her even talking about it and starting to have this like mental breakdown, this severe anxiety attack, this severe panic attack tells me that there's some very, very dark stuff happening. At the same time, I th- wonder to myself, this panic attack she has in this scene and the, and the tears that she had on a that silly little date with um with Peter right is it really it could be related to James it could be related to her life but it could also be allegedly related to the fact that at this point she and Tom are already having potentially an emotional affair I mean we've now gotten I think like 15 different podcasts Kristen Dowdy's getting on every single microphone that she can somebody keeps going everybody with look I'm a person with a microphone everybody with a microphone is out there sharing their tea allegedly there this had been going on for a long time by this point she and tom had already made out and it's possible that she and tom were already having an emotional affair it's possible that her wanting to be this close to ariana is sort of her only way of getting close to tom i don't know but i think that a lot of raquel's tears is an amalgamation of different things of the fact that she was in a possibly abusive relationship with james definitely verbally um she is now hooked up with her very good friend's boyfriend already and she's possibly falling up falling in love with her very good friend's boyfriend already right so it could just be that Raquel is having a mental breakdown because she's put her put herself into quite a pickle okay but the girls are super comforting and caring they're very nice all of that, but I really, really feel like at this point, Raquel has already hooked up with Tom and these breakdowns are not just about, you know, her relationship with James. I think they're probably about a lot of the moves that she's making in this group that she can't talk to anybody about. Um, the girls get to the house. Charlie's there. Uh, I already like this Charlie and Christina Kelly feud. It's wonderful. It's like low key friends of who have like very little energy getting into fights with each other i just enjoy it it's like bitchy i like it back in la the toms go to tom tom um tom sandoval shows up dressed like gallagher all he needs is a watermelon and sledgehammer he looks dumb as shit he is wearing the infamous lightning bolt necklace everybody on the internet is talking about it i don't give a shit i don't give a shit about this stupid business scene i don't care about the toms and their business and their money the only thing i care about when apparently there's a bravo docket episode already out i have to listen to it um 
but they have already started to talk a little bit about the financial ties that Ariana and Tom have and how she might be getting fucked over by this stupid piece of shit. So if I have to care about Tom's businesses, the only reason I would care is to make sure that Ariana doesn't get fucked over. Anyway, but they're talking about their businesses, their money, and buying out their bit from Tom. Tom, honestly, I don't understand it. I don't care. James shows up and they plan guys night and James says he does not want to be around Raquel anymore. And the only woman who's allowed to show up to guys night is Sheena. Um, back at Lake Havasu, the girls go to this dinner and now these women are talking, sitting at a dinner. They're talking about Raquel's drinking as if she is not at the table. Okay. She keeps calling, Lala keeps calling her a liability. I don't know. I, I don't think Raquel is a liability. You know who I think is the liability? You know, the man that you had a baby with that you brought around this entire group. How about that, Lala? I think that was a bigger liability than worrying about Raquel. I mean, Lala has historically done this, right? She loves to. She did it last season where she was so worried about Sheena and Brock. She was so worried about Brock and the kind of man that Brock was. Meanwhile, she was screaming at everybody, telling everybody that Randall is an upstanding citizen of West Hollywood or whatever. Meanwhile, he was a complete piece of shit, already cheating on her already not having sex with her and already out there doing whatever to all kinds of people, scamming people. And she was just ignoring it anyway. So let's not talk about liabilities, Lala. See, here's the other thing. I want to believe that Lala maybe had some sort of like, you know, intuition into like the kind of person she thinks that Raquel is, but like how good could Lala's intuition be? She had a baby with Randall Emmett. She stuck by with this man until he decided to leave her by getting caught. Okay. Anyway, they're at this dinner. Charlie asks the girls how the night was in Vegas. And, you know, we start talking about the fact that Raquel hooked up with um, Oliver. And this is where Lala goes on and on and on with her acrylic nails pointing like guns about how Raquel's comment the night before was so offensive. Okay, it's God. I can't. Lala going on and on about like, oh, thank God you don't have a man for me to take was the most offensive thing in the world to say to any woman is just so absurd. Okay. It's not that offensive, Lala. It's really not. You're just upset that you're a single woman who doesn't have a man to snatch up. Okay. And then the man that you did have was a horrible man that nobody in your friend group wanted to snatch up, but he got snatched up anyway. And you're mad about it. Okay. You're mad that you lost your man the way that you stole him from someone else. That's really all that's going on here with Lala. Okay. So Charlie is right. When she says, Lala, you can't sit here and act holier than thou about all of this. It's absolutely ridiculous. Okay. And as much as right now, today, today, Raquel sucks as a human to me, okay? She sucks. She's not wrong when she says you're sitting here and telling me how it's offensive to make a comment like that when you actually did snatch up somebody's man. In fact, you snatched up my man. You had sex with my boyfriend, okay? And this is where Lala's like, oh, it was six years ago and I was drinking. Raquel's like, okay, well, I was drunk. I was drunk, okay? That night that... She made out with Oliver and the night that she asked about shorts, asked shorts to make out, she was drunk. So why is it a demand, Lala, for everybody to forgive and forget what you did, okay, for all the shit that you did, but not for Raquel? There's no empathy. There's no forgiveness. There's no grace for Raquel. Lala is not likable enough to make these demands every single season. And I think that if she had an ounce of empathy here for Raquel, it would have just... 
it would have made it so much easier for all of us to hate Raquel, right? Because it would have been like, oh, even somebody shitty like Lala is on your side, right? But Lala is, she, she's just devoid of anything besides her own feelings always. Like she doesn't think about anybody else. She has no self-awareness. She has absolutely zero empathy, right? So her sitting here and going on and on and on about how Raquel is this terrible person. She's this terrible person for saying that, you know, you shouldn't trust me around your man is ridiculous because Raquel couldn't trust you around James. And then she's like, oh, Tom, you're not an upstanding person for not making out with Tom Sand- Tom Schwartz. Tom Schwartz didn't make out with you. Okay, that doesn't matter in this argument, Lala, because regardless of who wanted to hook up with you, you still hooked up with James while he had a girlfriend and while you had a boyfriend. So it doesn't really matter. And the funny thing about Lala is that she screams disengage, disengage, bitch, disengage. And then she gets up and disengages herself. <laughs> which is why Lala is such a fucking loser okay anyway they all leave and it's like whatever fuck these girls but I think the thing that like really screws me up about this scene is like I know for a fact that if Ariana was here they would not be treating Raquel this way and I think that is why this is so sad I think that is why this is even more fucked up to watch because I don't care about Lala, okay? I honestly don't really care about Katie. Like, you're getting a divorce. Just get over it. Move on. I don't care about Schwartz. The only person I care about is Ariana, okay? And she's missing in this entire episode. We see glimpses of her, right? She's The very next scene, she's like on a FaceTime with LVP and she's just sad and depressed about this loss of having to put down her dog and it's super duper depressing it's super duper sad but like Ariana is not really in this episode and I think that while we talk so much about like why did Raquel do what she did and why how Tom Sandoval is such a piece of shit and all these things I think the thing that makes me the most sad is that in this entire trip Raquel, yes, is saying and doing all kinds of things that make us like go, oh my God, there's so many red flags. Was she trying to tell us something? Was she, you know, was it a, was it a subconscious Freudian slip? You know, we can think about all these things, but I feel like if Ariana was there, none of this would have happened, right? Like if Ariana was there, well, I'm not saying none of this would have happened because I feel like some of this was already happening, but if Ariana was there, they would not be this mean to Raquel. They would not be this terrible to Raquel. And that is why it makes me so sad because that is one person that Raquel had on her side. So the fact that they did what they did to, they as in Tom and Raquel did what they did to Ariana, that's like that just, that makes it all the more soul crushing. That Ariana would never ever have let these women treat Raquel this way. But fuck these women for treating Raquel this way because even shitty people don't deserve that. Like, I don't believe that Ariana is the kind of person who's sitting here being like, I'm loving, you know, all of this anger and hatred against Raquel because I just don't believe that she's that kind of person. Like, even up until today, even all the this crazy stuff about her making up a, the scratch and using makeup to make it look like she got punched in the face and the restraining order and all that stuff. Like, 
even outside of all that, I think Ariana is the one person on this cast that has an understanding that people aren't just sociopaths like that. Like, there's like, there's so much stuff to unpack about Raquel, right? Like, she's she's been adopted. I think she was like, she, I think her mom, her birth mom gave up her, gave her up and she was raised by her aunt or something. Like, there's so many things about Raquel that are complicated and Ariana's the only person on the show who is the kind of person who wants to dive into why people are the way they are and give people grace and give people empathy and give people a little bit more um yeah just like grace and understanding and not just paint people as like horrible terrible people that you just like wash away like the fact that Ariana has a relationship with Kristen Dowdy right Like, it tells you the kind of person she is. She's, like, a super forgiving person. And that is why this entire thing is so much more complicated. Because Ariana would be there to help Raquel through a panic attack. She would be there to defend Raquel against Lala. 100% she would be there. And that's why this is all the more fucking depressing. The next, next morning at Lake Havasu, Lala, Katie, and Christina complain about Raquel they wanted the weekend to be about Katie, but they're mad that it's about Raquel. I mean, what do you want Raquel to do? What did you want her to do? What? It's not Raquel's fault, Katie, that you're boring. It, if you wanted this weekend to be about you, then you should have made it about you. You're mad that what Raquel got drunk and wanted to eat your leftovers? What did you want out of this weekend? You're not that exciting of a person. That's okay. I'm not exciting either. If I had a divorce party, it would probably look a lot like that. Okay? Except I wouldn't try to pretend to be fun. I would be like, let me, let's just go somewhere where I can have silence and like not talk to anybody. I definitely don't want to be rubbing up on gross dudes. We'll talk about some of the dudes that they hung out with later. But anyway, Raquel and Charlie decide that they're going to end the trip early, go back to L.A., and Raquel tells the girls that she doesn't feel comfortable and she'd like to go back and hang out with Sheena and Schwartz. Now, this is where Raquel, again, fucked up, right? Because she had a point. I don't feel comfortable. I feel like you guys don't want me here. Great. But for you to say, I'm going to go and hang out with Sheena and Schwartz at the Mondrian, ugh. Why did you say that, Raquel? I don't think that she's evil, guys. I think that she just has like a deep, deep lack of like self-awareness. Like there's like, like you're not reading the room. I don't know. I don't know. Is she evil? I can't tell. I have no idea. It's so hard to tell. God. Anyway, Lala and Christina tell Katie how Charlie is a low vibration human being. No, Lala, you're a low vibration human being. No. Um, Katie, Christina, and Lala go to a lake party and they find the dumpiest, dorkiest men I've ever seen a party with. It is truly the most mid-dudes I have ever seen. Is mid the right thing to use? What's lower than mid? Low? That That's, we're talking about low vibration. That was a low vibration lake party. I'll tell you that much. It was very sad. Um, back in LA, we go to Schwartz and Sandy's and Ariana joins them. 
um, and tells everybody how she had to put down Charlotte and how depressed she's been and everything. And she's just so sad, but she's still so sweet because she shows up and she's making an effort to get out there and support her stupid piece of shit boyfriend at this menu tasting. Fuck you, Tom. Fuck you, Tom. Okay? You piece of shit. Oh, God. Anyway. Back at Lake Havasu at this sad divorce party house, they beat up a Tom Pinata. It's very sad. I don't know, man. Fuck these girls. I don't care. It's very boring. It's a very dumpy, boring party, and I don't care about it. We have this guy's night, and uh, guy's night plus Sheena happening um, on the other side. And then the Havasu girls go to a country bar to boot, scoot, and boogie. And that crowd is a mess. It is (laughs) very sad. But also, like, what did you expect in Arizona? Like, I'm not... If you're going to go, let me do a quick Google. Where is Lake Havasu? It is Arizona, yeah? Yes, I believe it is. Hold on. Give me a second. Lake Havasu. Okay. Okay, yes, it's a river on the, or it's a lake on the border of Arizona and California. Okay, fine. Look, I get it that they couldn't drive all the way to like, I don't know, Sedona. But like, maybe you should have taken a plane to Sedona. You know, like, if you're going to do like a girl's thing maybe go to like a place with like spas or something like I get it Vegas to Lake Havasu is not too far it looks like it's a close drive but like there's other places right like why didn't you go to Palm Springs I don't know man there's so many questions you went to Arizona and this is the best you're gonna get okay but Lala at this place is like she sees a bunch of black men and she's like that's my kind of man right there is that your kind of man, Lala? Like, I don't know. You were with Randall Emmett. <laughs> Is that your kind of man? I'm not sure about that. I don't believe that that's your kind of man. Okay? You had a baby with Randall Emmett. You were going to marry this man if he didn't get caught so publicly cheating on you. If you didn't get publicly embarrassed by this man, you would have stayed with him because the red flags were already there. You already knew that he was not in the relationship with you. So for you to sit here and be like, oh, these black guys, that's my kind of man. I don't think that is your kind of man. Okay. And if if you are actually attracted to black men, but you settled for this dumpy, dumpy thumb of a human being, dude, this white dude, there's like a lot to unpack there. Like, where do we get started? Like, are you just less, is it just you're lusting after black men? Are you, you're just fetishizing black men? What is it? You fetishize black men, you appropriate black women, you appropriate black gay culture. Like, what is it that you are doing, Lala, besides just being deeply problematic? Anyway, what I thought was hilarious is one of the guys that she's like trying to rub up on is like, I like to go to the Abbey. Now, I only know this from like Watch O'Crappens and like watching television but isn't the Abbey a gay place? A gay bar? <laughs> Was Lala flirting with a gay man? What's what's the deal here? Anyway. Um, back at Guy's Night, uh, Charlie and Raquel join and Tom Sandoval pretends to be surprised. James is upset. It's a lot, guys. That's a lot. So now... There is all this, like, these podcasts. However, all these grifters trying to get their 15 seconds. They've all got these little podcasts out. Now, apparently, the rumor is that this is the weekend 
that this is the party. The guy's night is when Tom Sandoval and Raquel got super duper close and essentially the affair basically started then. Okay. I have a theory. Okay. I think that people look, everybody's an adult in this situation and everybody makes the decisions they make. It's their, it's their choices. Everyone is responsible for the choices they're made. No one is forcing anybody to make out with anybody. Nobody is forcing anybody to hook up with anybody's partner, whatever. But if the story is that boys night is when Tom and Raquel really began to get really close, then it could be said that this could be because Raquel probably opened up to him about how the girls were treating him. And apparently at that point, like, I think it's like Sheena's like, oh, there's only two people at like Katie's party. And Tom says, yeah, Raquel and Charlie came back. And apparently like the rumor is that Raquel had already been calling Tom and talking to him about it. I think early in their season, Raquel says Tom Sandoval taught me about boundaries. She taught me about he taught me about like hypocrisy and all these things, right? So I think that she's already sort of leaning into Tom Sandoval in like an emotionally supportive way at this point. And when these girls mistreat, these girls that Tom Sandoval hates mistreat her, she goes to Tom Sandoval to talk to him about it. And there's just a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Like Tom Sandoval helped James propose to Raquel. Right. So this proposal that James did, if we think about it, it was Tom's vision. It was Tom's like it was his idea. So Raquel probably took a lot of the things out of her relationship with James that were positive and put that on. James only did those things because Tom Sandoval was helping him be a better person. And Raquel is probably gravitating towards this man because she's looking for those good parts of James that she had before, right? And Tom Sandoval being a narcissist, uh, Peter Pan, uh, you know, a man having a midlife crisis or whatever it is. I mean, it's not a midlife crisis, whatever. He's a fucking adult. But he is probably very impressed by the fact that this young girl is leaning on him and wanting his advice and he's able to like be emotional support because let's be honest Ariana is like a thousand times smarter than him right I don't think that Tom Sandoval necessarily feels like he is uh um impressing Ariana in any way I don't think Ariana is impressed by him and I think that Raquel is and so that becomes a natural sort of gravitation towards each other. And it's all deeply fucked up because the person who is the most responsible is Tom Sandoval to not cheat on his girlfriend. It's one thing to start to like, you know, I don't want to call it grooming because it does, it's it's like borderline grooming, but not really because she's an adult woman. But like, it's one thing to start to like, you know, like, get get, provide emotional support to a woman or a person that you think is a good good person right the same way he kind of took like James under his wing or whatever which really didn't do anything but it's one thing to try to like mentor someone I think that's the word I was like completely missing because hi I have a cold I'm fully sick right now um it's one thing to like want to mentor someone but it's another thing to say 
uh, I'm going to mentor you and then I'm going to put my dick inside of you. <laughs> you know? You know? But if we're going to talk about like, oh, Sheena put it in Raquel's ear and in Schwartz's ear that they should hook up with each other. We're going to talk about who drove in, who into whose arms. We could say that Lala drove Raquel into Tom's, Tom's arms, no? She may have. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. It's very complicated. Because either Raquel is a sociopath, which is possible, or this is just what happens when an emotionally like abused person ends up being with a person who is a narcissist, who needs a lot of attention, who probably loves being appreciated for that attention, is not getting that emotional support from their partner, and then they go and find somebody beautiful and young who is easily impressed by them. Like I saw a clip today of Kristen yelling at Ariana um, because she's like confronting her. This is a couple, it's like season three or something. And she's confronting Ariana and she's like, you know, you hooked up with my boyfriend you hooked up with my ex-boyfriend when I was still with him and you're not standing up for me or not saying anything. And Ariana says something like, you know, this person, this guy who's been nothing but good to me, why would I throw him under the bus? And I was like, that's probably what Raquel was thinking too. Tom is being so good to me. He's so caring to me. He looks after me. You know, he loves me. He gives me the attention that I need. Why would I ever ruin that? It's very disgusting and complicated, but like, man, just like go and find somebody else. Go to therapy. Just go to therapy. If you had just gone to therapy instead, you know, none of this would have happened. Um, or probably would have. I don't know. Um, I don't believe also that this is the first person that Tom Sandoval has ever cheated on Ariana with. So whatever. Um, he's a piece of shit. And the only person I care about still in all of this is Ariana. Despite the fact that I talked a lot about Raquel and understanding her, I just want you to know the only person I care about in any of this is Ariana. Fuck everybody else. Also, like that send it to Daryl merch that Lala is making. I mean, Lala is fully, fully profiting off of her friend's misery and I think that that's just that tells you a lot about the kind of person Lala is so Lala can go fuck herself I don't want to hear anything about her either like, I don't want to hear her takes I don't care about it she doesn't really bring anything like a value she just says stuff like oh she's gonna get dragged and you know you're in the game and like she does that like weird like little like you know Lala from Utah like white Tupac or whatever it is that she called herself bullshit she does like that's whatever that's the only thing Lala does I don't want to hear any more of her takes because she sucks and she's only using this to redeem herself as a person but there's no redemption for you Lala you're a piece of shit you're just as bad as Jax honestly at this point um all right well that's it for this episode um I'll be back on Saturday to talk about Miami and New Jersey I've already started to watch the, the I've already started to watch the Miami reunion and it is just so good so good can't wait thank you for listening thank you for being here 